0: Hello listeners, and welcome to episode number 200 of the Spoiler Alert Podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike, I'm here with Danny, and tonight, to commemorate our 200th episode, we specially picked what is oft regarded as one of the greatest movies of all time, 1979's Best Picture winner, Kramer vs. Kramer. Danny, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. You know, I was really excited that we were able to make this one fit for our bicentennial episode because there is a scene in the film where Dustin Hoffman is drinking from a coffee cup, celebrating America's bicentennial. So, (laughs) so it ties together nicely, right? Yeah, yeah, really nicely. It's sort of an. It's a bit obvious. It's a bit on the nose when you really think about it, (laughs) and all the serious kramer v kramer fans out there are probably like rolling their eyes yeah the old bicentennial coffee cup gag but (laughs) no i'm very, very excited to be hitting 200 and to be uh talking about this one with you tonight
0: we're back into the the best picture winner reviewing that we've taken a break from for quite a while in order to review all of this year's best picture nominees which, as we've acknowledged in prior episodes, was a bit of a push. It's nice that we took a little bit of a beat here to break after the ceremony itself. What did you think of the Oscars last weekend?
1: You know, one of my biggest takeaways from the Academy Awards this year, honestly, is I wish they would get back to the limit of five Best Picture nominees. Hmm. I I applaud the, you know, somewhere between five and, and nine. I think there's value in raising the profile of smaller films or perhaps uh, more genre films like Avatar or in this case, maybe The Shape of Water, right? Who knows if it would have been nominated on a straight five ballot. But, you know, as I've gone through the week since the Academy Awards, people were asking me, what did I think? You know, what about the movies? So many people haven't seen any of these nominees. And when I try to boil it down, I have a hard time telling them to see more than a few of them. So it's really like there's three to four that were really good and and worth your time and five that you can you could just skip. That doesn't say much for it. right? Like, I guess you can say, wow, it was an Academy Award nominee, but it's sort of a pointless throwaway nomination and sort of diminishes the overall nominations that the, the top films get. I think that
0: there's something to be said for that. Of course, once upon a time, there did used to be up to 10 nominees in the early days of the Academy Awards. For the bulk of the 90 years, that was not the case. And I think the Academy's intent, while honorable, in trying to expand the field of Best Picture nominees to include big budget, effects-driven movies, things like that, it really didn't ever quite pan out and instead i think you just get a larger slate of lesser known indies that are <laughs> right. often great movies but but it, it didn't quite pan out it's almost like maybe they'd, they'd be better served by having two best pictures like, like like the globes has a musical comedy and a drama maybe they'd be better served to have like an effects driven movie or an award for the best effects driven movie they have an animated feature award and all of those qualify for best picture if you in theory so why couldn't we have like a blade runner could have won best picture this year as a it should have visual effects driven film i think my big takeaway i just like to see the spreading of the wealth and i think that we saw some some spreading around of the movies this year which is great to see dunkirk i loved it ended up with three wins uh, did Blade Runner have three or was it two? It was two or three, but you I think know, just not, two. Yep. So two awards, your favorite movie of the year. Shape of Water, our best picture winner, didn't win a ton of Oscars. So I mean, there was just a lot of, of spreading the love around, which was nice to see.
1: I, I'll tell you, I, th- I also think perhaps the Academy spread it a bit too far, especially in the year of hashtag Me Too and the focus on gender equality and harassment by giving Kobe Bryant An Academy Award. It was was a little interesting. It's not like it's not like he was a little known producer behind the scenes of some film and people were sort of shocked, like, wow, we really liked this movie, but I guess we inadvertently gave a rapist an Academy Award. No, no. He produced it. It's like his voiceover, right? Like he wrote it or whatever. Like it is all about him. No one can hide behind the fact of I just really like the Academy the, the the short. I didn't realize I'd be giving this rapist an Academy Award. I just was so stunned that he was able to pull that out in any year, let alone this year.
0: This is the first year in a long time that I haven't been able to see all of the nominated short films, which I really typically enjoy. I saw the live action this year, and that was it. And I gotta say, I'm really glad in researching my Oscar ballot for your pool that I didn't read into a lot about what the animated films were, because ultimately I picked that. Ultimately it won, and never in a million years would I have had I known it had anything to do with Kobe Bryant. I honestly was completely in the dark and and a little bit confused when I saw him walking to the stage.
1: Well, and maybe some voters did what you did. Maybe some Academy members didn't even see them, and they just picked one, but- come on people yeah i mean this this like leaves the door open you know that like kevin spacey and harvey weinstein and woody allen and roman polanski (laughs) were sitting home saying so you're telling me there's a chance well roman
0: polanski won not that long ago
1: not that long ago (laughs) but he still couldn't come pick it up i mean this is like maybe i should just show up anyway i thought it was a pretty uh it was a fine telecast i didn't think there were Great gags, the writing was really stiff, and other than Kobe Bryant, not a lot of surprises. Yeah, so. the,
0: the writing was a little a little dry this year. There there were yeah. a lot of jokes that felt pretty flat. But how about the
1: 1979
0: Academy Awards? Let's let's go back in the time machine.
1: Boom! The 52nd Annual Academy Awards back in 1979. Uh Kramer versus Kramer came in hot and heavy with nine nominations tied with the movie All That Jazz for the most nominations. And it ultimately took home the most wins. Kramer versus Kramer won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Those are big ones. That's Big ones. Th- it's a, that's quite a list. Yeah. Yeah. It was also, this blew my mind, Kramer versus Kramer made $106 million. It was the number one movie of the year. You're kidding me. No, it beat Rocky II, Apocalypse Now. Star Trek The Motion Picture, Alien, The Muppet Movie, and Moonraker. Wow.
0: This movie beat
1: a Bond movie, a Muppet movie, Alien, a Star Trek movie, and a Rocky film. That's wild. Isn't that... That blew my mind. Number one box office hit of the year. You know, this is also the kind of
0: movie that could not possibly have a chance in hell of winning Best Picture today the cast is so small this movie just feels small it's about an hour and 40 minutes long it kind of flew by to me because there's nothing big about it there's nothing major about it it's a it's a gut-wrenching tale of of divorce and custody and uh, there's some tender moments there's some funny moments there's some some really sad moments but this is not one that's going to win best picture uh today you you need a much larger cast than that
1: nowadays well, first of all, thanks for doing the plot recap and for keeping it that tight. <laughs> Secondly, I don't even know if this movie gets made today. Yeah, perhaps if it, not. If it gets made, it get made it gets made on such a small budget. Right. It ends up on Netflix or in like four indie screens. You know, maybe a couple of the film festivals pick out one of the acting noms or like the Independent Spirit Awards give it a little bit of love. But yeah, this is it, this is not the biggest movie of the year. Type of material these days. You know, before you get
0: before you get into a proper plot recap, which mine was not. uh, I I wanted to read you one one little passage here that I just think is is so bizarre because we've all heard about Dustin Hoffman, right? There, the the stories about Dustin Hoffman and and his uh, treatment of women in Hollywood has been brought up many times. Uh, so I've, I've been reading this book inside Oscar every time we get to a best picture I read the chapter on that year's Academy Awards which basically gives you the whole year's slate of movies what was happening leading up to the nominations after the nominations the campaigning and ultimately the ceremony cool. it's, it's an interesting book um, but this year as you mentioned um, the, the biggest competition was all that jazz for, for this movie and so is the, the two of them really going head to head despite the fact that Apocalypse now is you know considered, A classic all these years later was not considered a front runner going in but one of the things that just blew my mind was this little snippet streep had met hoffman earlier at at an audition as she reminisced time magazine he came up to me and said i'm dustin burp hoffman and he put his hand on my breast what an obnoxious pig i thought (laughs) this is her first meeting dustin hoffman he grabs her boob (laughs) At an audition, and this is coming from Meryl Streep. Like this isn't some you know B-list actress trying to sell a book or something. This is Meryl Streep to Time Magazine, telling straight out what it was like to meet Dustin Hoffman. And I think, wow, you know, I I always take everything I hear with a grain of salt. You know, on one hand, where there's smoke, there's fire, but I also don't like to just judge people in the court of public opinion. But this is Meryl Streep. <laughs> like what, what she got to to gain by calling out Dustin Hoffman.
1: You know, we'll get into it. I'm sure a little bit later, but I feel like this is one of those things that if you, if you put a gun to Dustin's head, he would say he's a method actor and he was just trying <laughs> to be awful and obnoxious <laughs> right. because it was his goal that she not like him because Joanna, her character doesn't like Ted anymore and right, right. That's he was just in the moment. This is all he about was, acting. It was all about the process. Do you,
0: do you think that in his head he might even believe that? Like, do you think he really thinks that that in some in some alternate universe that that was almost appropriate because he needed to elicit that
1: from her? It was totally fine because he's a great actor, <laughs> right. and who knows? Well, here's the quick plot recap. Although I think you did an admirable job earlier oh, and you. really more than enough. Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, It plays the story of Ted Kramer, played by Dustin Hoffman, who's a New York workaholic asshole ad executive. And on the day he's been given a prestigious new account, one of the top five days of his life, he comes home to tell his wife, Joanna, played by Meryl Streep, uh, only to find out that she is announcing that she is leaving Ted and their son, Billy. Ted is, of course, shocked by this, clearly not prepared and is clearly not a great parent. After months of struggling, both Ted and Billy sort of work to adapt to their new lives uh, as a pair and, and bond as father and son. Ted matures as a parent, even prioritizing Billy ahead of work, much to the detriment of his career. And 15 months later, Joanna reappears and announces that she would like custody of Billy. Ted objects, and the two end up in court. Ultimately, their lawyers play dirty, feelings are hurt, and Ted loses custody. In the end, Joanna opts to allow Billy to stay with Ted rather than putting him through the trauma of moving. And that's Kramer versus Kramer. Well, what did you think? Uh, I actually thought it was a good movie. It is a sad movie and at times it's tough to watch. But it's not an impossibly sad movie. Yeah. Uh, I was prepared for it to be just awful given the subject matter. And there's a lot to like in this movie. There's a lot of hopeful passages and seeing Billy and Ted sort of come around to their life together was actually pretty cool. How about yeah, you?
0: Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I really enjoy this movie. It's the second time I've seen it. Uh, I liked it the first time. It wasn't even that long ago. It, it was probably only a few years ago, but I I really enjoy this movie and um, tried to brace myself again because I knew there were some scenes that were pretty sad and choked me up initially, but you're right. It's not like it's impossibly sad to watch. I almost walked out of the movie Precious a few years ago because I honest to God, could not stomach it. It, it was right, all right. I could do to sit through and see the end of that piece of art that I, I admired, but could just barely sit through. This is a very watchable movie. Yeah. And, uh, and, and like you said, it, it kind of carries... So I, I guess I can see why it wins Best Picture. And I guess I can even see why it was a big box office draw, because it's a sort of movie that you could almost recommend to anybody. Uh, if it's certainly not a genre film that's going to take out a huge chunk of people off the bat, uh, it's well-liked, uh, famous actors. I, I guess I can see all that thinking about it a little bit more.
1: I agree with the concern you raised earlier during your plot recap in that it's a very small film, a small cast, an all white cast. Um, so I can imagine that for a lot of people, maybe this doesn't feel as accessible as, films that we made today, but it is well, it is well made. I mean, the acting is uniformly good. I I actually thought Justin Henry, who plays young Billy was really good. Mm -hmm. Normally I cringe anytime there's a child on screen knowing this is just not going to turn out well. He was great. And in fact, he became the youngest actor ever nominated for an Academy award. He was nominated for best supporting actor uh, for this film. Ultimately he did not win, of course, and his career really went down fast. Uh, if you look at his IMDb page, it just makes me sad. Oh. Maybe maybe more sad than Kramer versus Kramer. Peaked, peaked in the late 70s. and uh, Right. His <laughs> his first film, he comes out of the gates with an Academy Award nomination, and it's pretty much all downhill from there. Um, but Dustin Hoffman was excellent, I thought. A- and Meryl, I thought, was fine. She wasn't given a ton to do, but when she was on She's screen, barely in she, was, it. Yeah. she was good. Yeah. yeah.
0: I agree. I think that Dustin Hoffman is fantastic. You know, having read this chapter in advance of rewatching the film, it's sort of a little hard to watch him and then know what you know about him and just think, oh, this guy is sort of gross. But there is no denying uh, his moving performance in here. And I think that there were two scenes that in particular really get me. And there's one where he's... He's talking to his son, just telling him about what it was like when he was a kid, when when Ted was a child, and yeah. you know, the 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 kinds of things that y- they were able to do to have fun, and and the places that they went, and obviously life was very different when he was a child, and it was just a really tender scene where you could see his son really taking an interest in in what his dad's life was like. And then the one that really just gets me and you know, had me choked up again, rewatching last night is a scene where he's at the park explaining to his son what the judge's decision was and now what's going to happen. Yeah, trying as best as he can to put a brave face on the fact that he's all but losing total custody of his son, and they're going to see each other once once a week, one night a week, and every other weekend. I mean, that's freaking brutal. And yeah. and I mean, you could tell that he invested a lot into getting his together and and balancing being the sole breadwinner for the family and the sole caregiver for the family. And now it was sort of all for naught. you know, it's really a devastating scene to watch even more so than the final scene to me.
1: And that he's trying to put a good face on it. You know, he's trying to make it seem like this is a good idea. It's great for Billy. It's what's best for him. Um, the two scenes that, that really catch me, one is It starts out, I thought, sort of funny. It's the ice cream scene when Billy uh, sort of naughtily gets up from the dinner table and decides to eat ice cream. And, uh, you know, they end up fighting. They each say they hate one another. And then, uh, then later that night, they apologize. And Dustin Hoffman has to tell his son, Billy, why his mom left. And he really has to say she left because she couldn't stand me anymore. Yeah. And just you know, the shame that comes along with that and the failure that comes along with that. And, but the openness and the honesty was really something that really moved me. And then just the last morning together when they made French toast
0: yeah, and
1: there's, there's almost no dialogue and they just give each other this hug. And it's like, if you aren't near tears, just watching that hug, each of them knowing this is like our last breakfast together as buddies. It's rough. Um, Really, really rough. I'll also say it's interesting to watch this movie as a bit of a time capsule, not only for New York in the 70s, but certainly the gender roles in the country, the fact there's no FMLA leave, right? right. I mean, Ted has to leave work a couple times to care for a sick child, and you know he's, he gets fired ultimately f- for that, and right. – that can't happen today because of, you know we've got some of these things in place but it's just it's really wild to see the reactions he gets and some of the his coworkers and friends and how they treat Ted as a single dad
0: I agree completely. I, the the final thing that I had on my list of what I loved about the movie was that it is a time capsule of New York in the late 1970s, and and it, not just for all of the the real reasons that you just articulated, but even just the little things like nowadays, best picture winners are typically not set in real time. They're period pieces. They're in the 60s. They're in the 50s. They're earlier than that. It's been a while since we've had a, a best picture winner taking place in present day. You know, right. Hurt Locker, I guess, came kind of close spotlight um, spotlight close. I guess was pretty yeah. close yeah uh but this was a movie taking place in 1979 for sure and and the you can't mistake it when you look at the attire and the clothes and the buildings and the work parties and I even loved the little instrumental interludes that they used in this movie there's the music is used very sparingly but when it is I really liked it and it it furthered the scene for me so uh, overall I I just really really enjoy this movie
1: I really enjoyed it. I struggled to come up with things I didn't like probably. And it's, I felt bad even saying it, writing it down. But the, the thing that I just didn't like at the end was it just didn't feel super believable now. I mean, honestly, so many divorces are so contentious and awful that to see this movie end with Joanna really taking the what's best for Billy and how do I, how do we all move forward, keeping that front and center it's such a mature way to end this, this story. And I just don't believe that many divorces end that maturely anymore. So it's, I feel bad saying it's not like a reflection on the movie. It's, it's really a reflection on the times, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah I, th- I think that that's fair. Also a reflection of the times. I really disliked the ridiculousness of the first scene of French toast cooking with Ted yes. and his son. If this had been a scene about a woman struggling to change, like, a flat tire or something, we'd have another hashtag right now. So my eyes hurt from rolling that Dad is so stupid, he's so inept, he can't even cook French toast, and then to boot, he burns himself on the pan. Like, are you kidding me? And and you go from that, you know, which is just, like, the scene meant to set up, he is in over his head, he has no idea what he's doing, right. to... All of the skills that he needed to acquire to be a fully functional single parent that his wife had been doing solely by herself for the eight years prior, he acquires in like a week and a half. So like, it it just seemed sort of weird. And and the whole thing kind of fell flat to
1: me. It definitely felt forced. And more than that, I mean, they really kind of hit you over the head with what a bad parent Ted is initially. The first day he's dropping Billy at school and has to ask him, what grade are you in? Yeah, (laughs) He doesn't even know what grade his kid is. So I mean he's so checked out. He he has no no ability to feed them. He doesn't know how old his freaking kid is. I mean, it's just it's kind of ridiculous. But but it does set up the bookend later. Clearly he's mastered French toast. Clearly he's a good dad. So it's really it serves the purpose of, of giving us a starting point to kind of Gauge Ted's evolution, but I agree it was so over the top. And what's up with how disgusting it was? They kept showing him like putting his hand in raw egg, and just reaching it. And he's trying to make French toast in a coffee cup. <laughs> I mean, the idea—he knows how to make French toast. It's not like he needed a recipe, right? Right. He knows he knew what, what goes, goes into, into in it. There.
0: Yeah.
1: He's just making it in a coffee cup.
0: It's like the it was, it was stupidest, out of clean dishes or right? Something.
1: Stupidest thing I've ever seen.
0: The other thing I didn't like was the the relationship that he developed with his neighbor, the woman that you know was previously Joanna's friend, and now oh, okay. he, he's become friends with. They seemed like a little too close. Like, you know, they're they're hanging out at the park, and you really do get the sense that they're just friends, but then it'll, like, give her a kiss or, like, you know, hug her kind of close. And, and initially in the movie, they were downright rotten to each other, so I... It was really weird. And then at one point, he asks her that if something ever happens to him, if she'd watch the kid, like she'd take custody of the kid. But he says it really awkwardly. Like, I think that the line was something like, I couldn't really think of anybody else and I figured you'd be great. It's like, it's like really not a, a compliment. And then later, she ends up giving some courtroom testimony that i don't understand how was at all relevant like it it was just it was just this most bizarre scene where i'm like how did either one of these lawyers want her on the stand talking about anything this this doesn't have to do anything with the price of tea in china
1: right well i think that was meant to set up that she initially thought ted was a bad parent and that if joanna was unhappy she should get out of there so a little forced again Yeah, but then again, she's even in the courtroom trying to tell Joanna how much Ted has changed and what a good parent he is. So she's trying to be that objective third-party judge of that evolution. And totally editorializing
0: on the stand. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. What's up with the opening song, which is like a classical guitar and mandolin instrumental? It's played about four times during the film, including a scene where they walk past the two musicians. It's like Birdman. It was totally Birdman. It was two on the nose. I've got to get your opinion on this because I feel like it's almost like putting the needle drop, you know, and then it becomes part of the score. This is we actually see the the musicians on the street and it becomes part of the score. How do you feel about that?
0: I liked it. I thought that it was really kitschy and fun. I, I actually was a fan of that. What, what's up with Ted's boss suggesting that he send his kid off to relatives for a while? Talk about your inappropriate
1: advice. Like Maybe you should just get rid of your kid. Maybe you should drown him in the East River right. so you can focus on this airline account. <laughs> Talk about inappropriate. Oh, my God. That was absolutely... Oh, speaking of inappropriate, what's up with Ted fighting hard to get a job so that he can be employed before the divorce proceedings. He strong arms the guys. He forces them during the holiday party to, to give him an interview. He gets the job. He immediately walks out, picks a strange woman and kisses her hard on the <laughs> mouth. It's Dustin Hoffman being Dustin. I mean, George Costanza lost a job he had just won by touching a woman's jacket (laughs) fabric. Do you remember that on Seinfeld? This was so outrageous. I mean, he doesn't quite slap her on the ass, but it's like one step shy of that. One step short of it, yes. What's up with that
0: uh, female colleague that he has a brief little fling with from the office uh, calling him Kramer? That's weird, right? That she would not call him Ted, but call him Kramer? That's that's odd to me
1: it's a little odd but the scene where we first meet her is the scene where he's holding the bicentennial coffee cup thus leading to us using this as our 200th episode got it got it okay all right what's up with her wandering around his apartment stark naked (laughs) in the morning first of all who does that and second of all who does that knowing there's a small child in the room next door (laughs) right right yeah all all very weird yes mike are you ready for five questions I think so. Let's we've, let's do it. We've got 5 listener submitted questions. Thank you listeners. We've done this 200 times.
0: We're going to do another another 5. Let's do let's it. Do 5
1: it. more. Here we go. Question number 1. Meryl Streep has been nominated for 31 Golden Globes, 21 Oscars, 17 Screen Actors Guild Awards, 4 Emmys and a Tony. Do you consider her overrated? No
0: Grammys, huh? Yeah, I mean, I guess she's pretty not a single overrated. Grammy, right? Yep. Not a single. She's Grammy. no
1: Emily Blunt. Let's put it that way. Let's. I agree. Yeah. Uh, question number two: uh, Does Ted prove himself to be the better parent here in Kramer versus Kramer?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that he proves himself to be the better parent. Yes, your team, I, I, Ted, I, for sure. We're all meant to infer how lousy he was as a dad and/or a husband before. You don't see a lot of that. I mean, the the opening scene is she her, she's walking out, but I think that the the obstacles he overcomes and I mean, I even found it kind of touching during the courtroom testimony when they were recounting, "Well, you missed this deadline at work because you had to go take him to the field trip or whatever." And you're like, "Oh wow, like that's that's actually really." really touching you know they right. it was meant to be him getting drilled for being such a sh- boy he couldn't possibly be a good dad and it just had me going wow i think he really is the better parent
1: right he's not such a workaholic he actually prioritized billy ahead of work right. how interesting right question number three hoffman supposedly slapped meryl streep threw a glass at a wall uh insulted her and made repeated references to her recently deceased fiance in order to elicit a stronger performance from her. Do you think Meryl Streep owes him a big thank you for helping her win her first Academy Award, or should she give him a strong cockpunch?
0: Do we need to decide? Can both be true?
1: Oh, (laughs) maybe a bit of both.
0: Yeah, yeah, um... Wow, that sure makes him grabbing her boob and burping at her seem not
1: so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Right, sounds like he was just generally awful to her. (laughs) Wow, Uh, again, Maybe maybe it sets up the boob grab and the belch in the first meeting. Again, his method of just trying to make himself unlikable and distasteful. Absolutely, yes. Question number four. This film reflected a cultural shift regarding motherhood and fatherhood. And similarly, we are in the midst of a focus now on equal treatment and opportunities for women and minorities and uh, the the end of harassment in the workplace. Should the Academy consider combining the actor and actress categories in order to foster a sense of equality?
0: Oh, wow. That is a fantastic question. And I I don't know that it should be done to foster a a sense of equality, but... Why not have it that way anyway? I mean, there, there's not a, a separate award for Best Female Cinematographer or Best Woman Director. Like, right. it is all the same thing, ultimately. It's acting. I that, That's a great question. I, I could not answer why they're even treated as separate categories today. I think that makes perfect sense. Okay. It would make the ceremony
1: a lot faster. Well, they could still give out four of them or something, and they could be ridiculous about it. But <laughs> the, the, all, the, Like all, the the men keep winning the top two acting awards and the top two supporting actors. It's just terrible. All right. Uh, question number five. This listener said, I saw this movie years before becoming a parent and found the ice cream scene very funny. Two kids later, it fills me both with despair and white hot rage. Am I really going to miss this in 20 years? <laughs>
0: uh, another Another great question. I mean, there's... There's so many days that I need to remind myself, like, don't wish this away. You know, when I think about the fact that my daughter is nine and halfway to the age where she leaves home, you need to you need to take the white hot rage moments and stick a pin in them because right. it's uh, <laughs> it, it comes along with so many other great things. It's a good Excellent. question.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, listeners. Those five thank questions you nicely yes. done. Mike, your final thoughts on Kramer versus Kramer.
0: I guess it seems odd as a best picture winner to me, just because it seems very small and seems so unlike what could possibly win this race today. But I think that it's an awesome movie. I think that it's really well made, I think that it's really well acted. I think that the hour and 40 minutes flies by, despite the fact that it's, you know, not a really deep plot. Like it, it's a pretty quick summary, but I really enjoy it, and I can see why it was very popular.
1: I agree. I think it's a a very strong Best Picture winner. I think people should revisit it and those who haven't seen it shouldn't be afraid to check it out. This is not a a movie that you're going to dread and feel awful all night. Um, We we always ask, did the Academy get it right? I think they did, although it is a little tough to see Apocalypse Now sort of relegated to bridesmaid status. I, I mean, that is a movie that has only gotten stronger over the years and sure. developed a, a more rabid following. But, but I do think this is a, a good, solid best picture winner. And um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed checking it out coming up next. We've got a Netflix original movie called mute from director Duncan Jones. Thanks for
0: listening to the spoiler alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review, or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five-questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.